Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days with me. As always, Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, how's it rolling? Far from always. I haven't you. We've done a lot of them without me. I don't think it's as always. Yeah. Well, you're here today. That's what's important, that we're here together. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, We're here to talk about the Dolphins. And with us is one of the most uh, prolific 32 Fans patron chat uh, contributors, Joe Braga. So, Joe, is this your first time? No, you've been on the podcast before. Yeah, I was on the uh, patron side doing trivia with John Kilpatrick. Yeah, he did trivia. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Hosted by the great Zach Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so let, let's jump into the Dolphins. I mean, this is a team, a wild regular season last year. Seven-game losing streak, seven-game winning streak. The first time anyone's ever done that, obviously. Um, and then in the offseason, things got even um, more crazy. And that's even before, you know, they, they didn't even get to Sean Watson, who they'd been openly pining for for over a year, but they they shockingly fired their coach. And then their coach alleged that the owner had tried to bribe him to lose games on purpose. And and then the NFL basically corroborated that, but said, oh, but he was joking because that's his sense of humor. And but then they got in trouble anyways for tampering with Tom Brady and and, and just complete chaos. Um, so your, your coach is suspended for six games. You've lost a couple draft picks. But owner suspended for six. Your owner, excuse me. Yes, your owner. Um, I I guess. I mean, before we get to like, what is your feeling as a Dolphins fan not getting Watson after probably thinking for a large chunk of last year that that you would be getting him? That's your first question about Watson. Yeah, because I care. But on the field, I don't give it. Oh, no. You feel about your owner not allowed to be in the box. No, that's the only thing anybody cares about. You're way off. I think everyone but you cares about this. But it's an owner suspension. Well, I think it's interesting because. I mean, they, they got in trouble for like three things that in theory could be like draft pick level fines today, right? Well, they do lose. A, uh, what do you mean today? Weeks ago. The, the story broke like August 2nd or something like that. No, the, the this broke today. But no, the NFL made their announcement of the suspensions on August 2nd. Oh, I, I see. Yeah. I see. That you, T- that today, it's, we're, we're, we're like, it's like that was like three weeks ago. Get with it, Akiva. Um, yeah, I just think the I, I think like the Brady thing you know, is like a headline for people, but the the, you know, owner credibly telling the coach to lose games seems like a far more shocking thing than like tampering, which we've seen. But we talked about that like in January when the story broke. Right. Yeah, but now with like the penalties coming down, it's almost light, right? Well, I almost the, think well, they the penalty got away has nothing to, Well, the penalty has nothing to do with those with, with, Man, with I'm on video, those allegations. Just letting you know. Um, 
So the I I just think the no the penalty has nothing to do with those. I thought don't you think the penalty is like all three? No, they, they explicitly no the penalty is for tampering with Brady and Sean Payton. Right, and they 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 explicitly although although they acknowledge that he said. Um, that, that that the owner said what uh, what the coach alleged. Yeah, he they said, said J.K. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically, is is what the NFL said about that. So no, they, they. I mean, now you could argue that maybe part of the reason for the penalty that they're giving is they're sort of you know unofficially throwing that in there, but officially, that's got nothing to do with it. Correct. So your team's a bunch of cheaters. You, the Patriots aren't even the biggest cheaters in the AFC East anymore. We, we're not even a successful cheater. Yeah, so that's right. The Patriots issue. are much more successful cheaters. Yeah. yeah. Win a playoff game. 20 years. We're almost there. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So let's so let's talk about that. Yeah. It's been 20 years since we won a playoff. Game. I mean, this team, Akiva famously, has not won a playoff game this millennium. And I say that, of course, because their last playoff victory was on December oh 30th, 2000, which was, yep. of course, part of the previous millennium. Mm-hmm. Lamar Smith touchdown in overtime over the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, they beat they beat Peyton Manning. Mm, yeah. All right, so, okay. of, yeah. Yeah. So, OK, so let's OK. So the offense, it's really like they're all in for Tua, make or break year for him. Tyreek Hill. Well, Zach, your quarterback in the NFL. I read it every day coming from yeah. Tyreek Hill. Well, but let's. So what for whatever his strengths are and he is accurate, he does not have a huge arm and Tyreek's strength generally is downfield. And so I guess the question is, can Mike McDaniel, your new head coach, use Tyreek sort of the same way Debo was used in San Francisco? The, the problem is, like, that's already how they're using Jalen Waddle. Like, with Jalen Waddle last year, uh, only 12 of his 138 targets were more than 20 yards down the field, which, according to Pro Football Focus, was the fifth fewest among all NFL wide receivers. So Waddle was basically being used as sort of like a, a, a short guy, even though he's he's a down, he's a speedy guy because they were trying to take advantage, right. I guess, of two of strengths and weaknesses. What are they going to do with Tyreek Hill? The same thing? Yeah, it's going to be similar. Um, you know, if you look at the San Francisco offense, and I think this is really what this Dolphins offense this year is going to be modeled around. So, you know, even from the two wide receivers on the outside, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, the Dolphins have obviously Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle, and they need to use those two guys to get open quickly so they can have explosive plays from short throws, which is possible the way that Mike McDaniel schemes his, his offense. And then underneath, I'm not saying Mike Gusecki is George Kittle. He's a terrible run blocker, but he's a very good top five pass catching tight ends, especially on shorter routes. So there's a bevy of options um, in the past game for short, quick passes that should be to a strength. And the goal is that if they can run the ball successfully with the zone blocking scheme, that takes a lot of pressure off of Tua, and he can occasionally try and go downfield if somebody's open because everyone is going to be so focused on all these different weapons in the short passing game. Yeah, it just it seems like sort of a misfit application of skills because I mean they're paying Tyreek Hill more per year than any receiver ever um, and but 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 they're not going to generally you know they're not going to be sending him downfield twice a quarter you're like well maybe once in a while if everything else is working perfectly but it's just it seems like why why did they give up so much uh, trade assets and then give such a huge contract to Tyreek Hill if you're not even going to try and sort of maximize his abilities well because if you have a quarterback that doesn't necessarily have the strongest arm how else are you going to get explosive plays in the passing game? 
you need to have weapons that can take a short gain or a medium length gain into a larger gain. And so I think that's the goal with both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is that you have two very fast guys. It's going to be hard to cover them both, you know, in, in slight coverage in either direction. So in every play, if one of them is open, you can hopefully break a tackle and have a larger gain. And do you agree? I sort of said before, like this is the make or break year for Tua. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, so what happens if he has sort of a, you know, he's not terrible, but he's not amazing. He has sort of like a, a, a medium season. Well, you don't have a first round pick now. I mean, not yeah. that they're going to do. Be, we do. Know, we, we have the San Francisco 49ers which I guess is an okay pick, but it's probably, yeah. I mean, your pick also probably wasn't going to be like pick a top quarterback level necessarily, but right. yeah, but, they're not bad enough in any circumstance. No, I don't think they're bad at all. Yeah. And, and I don't think the not, and the Niners I think are pretty, you know, basically on the same level as, as them. Correct. Um, so the only thing I would challenge with that thesis, right. Is if you're looking at the San Francisco 49ers who obviously Mike McDaniel comes from, and it's, I think the model this Dolphins offense is based off of, they just made an NFC championship game two years after making the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm. There's no reason why Tua Tagovailoa, he matches off very similarly to Jimmy G in terms of his accuracy, his arm strength. There's no reason that a, you know, a great Tua Tagovailoa season can't be what Jimmy Garoppolo did. It's just a matter of do they have the other pieces around him to get to the level that the San Francisco 49ers have the last two, you know, two of the last three years. Well, but my question was less about how good can they be? My question was this year. My question was talking about like investment going forward. Right. So like the the San Francisco decided, yeah, we've seen what Jimmy G is and we don't want any more of that. Right. And they gave up huge assets to move up to draft Trey Lance. And they're telling Jimmy G, you know, okay, go find another team. Right, right. So, so the Dolphins have to decide basically after this year, are they going to give to a big extension or are they going to go try and find somebody else? Right, exactly. And, and, and the as funny you can thing tell- is T- Teddy Bridgewater, who's the new backup here, you know, just I love like the, the, you know, getting Teddy for one, one year, six and a half million dollars. Cause I just think, you know, I think he's basically a proven average NFL quarterback and he's worth yep. a lot more than that. But like yep. teams are always continuously chasing the higher upside guys and letting sort of the high floor guys like Teddy sneak by. But the funny thing is, like, Teddy also is a very accurate quarterback that doesn't have a huge arm. I think he'd be a terrible like I, he's a great backup. Obviously, he's too good to be a backup. He I, I think like if God forbid something on the two of the season, I think there would be uh, I, I think it would be a real mismatch of talent uh, and skill with him and and their receivers. But isn't he similar to Tua in skill? No, Tua can throw deep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and physically move like he can do two things. Teddy can no longer do. I mean, listen, Teddy Bridgewater was better last year in Denver than Tua was in Miami. Right. Yes. Yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and frankly, in the year before in Carolina, Teddy was I mean, let me look. Yeah. In 2020, I had him ranked uh, my number 18 quarterback. His his CQBR plus is 100.4. He's like a perfectly average NFL quarterback. And but teams, you know, you after Carolina got rid of him to chase Sam Darnold. Teams are just chasing the higher upside guys. Um, well, when you say teams, just the Miami Dolphins are. <laughs> We've just seen, you know, what well, came no, out in August. There's, there's a reason they were going after Tom Brady than, twice. Yeah, no, but there's a there's reason no, that, that Teddy couldn't get more than six million dollars from anybody. Right. right. There's been no time into his tenure as a Dolphins quarterback where he's been the only guy. There's been rumors of obviously Tom Brady before he got there, and now after he's gotten there, <laughs> yeah. there was the Ryan Fitzpatrick issue where he was playing well. They were on the verge of making the playoffs, and they put Tua in, you know, after four or five games that year. So, <laughs> and and then the whole time he's had to live up to Herbert being drafted number six overall, who is 
anybody can tell just has a higher ceiling. And then obviously Joe Burrow, who went number one that year, has made a Super Bowl. So, there, you know, Tua's constantly had pressure on him, um, you know, to be the guy. And that's not going to change even if he has a great year this year. What do you see from Tua sort of like off the field personally with obviously Tyreek comes in and sings his praises, but do you like, like, does it seem like that he has the locker room, the guys really like him and, and sort of believe in his talent? Yes, I think he definitely has the locker room for now. But, you know, in, in the middle of October, when he's underthrowing Tyreek Hill down the field, what is Tyreek Hill going to do? I mean, Tyreek Hill had, a, had issues with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. He's going to have issues with Tua Tagovailoa <laughs> and, and Mike McDaniels. That's just what's going to happen. So, you know, I think that's certainly going to be an issue. But I, I do think in general the locker room likes Tua um, – I think he, you know, he gets along with everyone. He's a good leader. It's just a question of, is he capable and good enough to be the guy for this Dolphins team? Let's talk about the offensive line. So last year it was absolutely abysmal. Um, as I said, they, they signed Armstead at left tackle. They signed uh, Connor Williams, the, from the Cowboys. I think he, you see the starting center right now. Is that right? Yeah. They're going to move him to center. Okay. So, you know, the line should be a little bit better but it seems like they still have holes there. Yeah. I mean, the, the offensive line, not just last year. I mean, last year was probably the cherry on top. We, I feel like we, every year we talk about the dolphins. It's like yes. the main thing we say, like, yes. all right, this, this line is not, but I mean, this is the most they've done. Yes. And now I see left guard right now is Liam Eichenberg. Akiva, is he yes. a member of the tribe? I, I, he went to Notre Dame. I don't think he he's did. Jewish. Second round pick. I mean, that's a pretty Jewy name. I, yeah, but I don't believe he is. I don't believe he is either. <sighs> Damn it. All right. I mean, we awesome. had Josh Rosen, who was great. Yeah. Um, so you had yeah, Jay so, Fiedler. I mean, you had a great Jewish. Yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, South South Florida yeah. loves. Um, yeah. So yeah, going back to the offense, it's this is the biggest issue on the Dolphins team. This is going to be sink or swim this Dolphins team because this Dolphins team in a Mike McDaniel offense, not to be you know Mike Ditka circa two thousand eight, but they want to run the football. They have they've had four or five running backs on their team. They're they running their running back room is hilarious. Yeah. It is. Yes. So funny. They have it's Chase like every, Edmonds, and Raheem Mostert, like, and yes. Sony Michelle, yep. and Miles Gaskin, yep. and Selvan Ahmed. Like everybody exactly. has owned at least two of those guys in yes. fantasy in the last two years. Yes, a fantasy owner's disaster. And you one of those guys at least is not going to make the team. Well, somebody's one of them is be, gonna yeah, be they're not holding on to five veteran running backs. No, but I'm so, sure four of them will make it. Yeah, I mean, well, so. But last year, the Dolphins were 30th in rushing yards, 31st in yards per carry. So right. you, you assume that McDaniel introducing the Shanahan scheme, like they'll be better. But I guess from a fantasy perspective, like who, who's who's most relevant here? Is it Edmonds? It should be. I mean, they, he signed to the most money um, this offseason. Raheem Moser is already kind of hurt. He fumbled in practice uh, mm-hmm. a couple times early in the year. So, yeah, I think Chase Edmonds is going to be the guy. But as you saw with the San Francisco 49ers the last few years, they're just they're willing to use anybody as a running back. So I think, in you know, I agree with this philosophy. They don't necessarily have one, you know, bell carrier, but they have four or five guys that they think they can trust that are dependable that should be able to get the job done if their offensive line can run block for them. Yeah. So stay away from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, especially because Tyreek and Waddle and Tua. Yeah, I don't think they're going to touch. I mean, anyway. I know you're saying that like that is sort of the game plan, but I think ultimately they have a lot of mouths to feed passing the ball. I don't think they're going to be a team that runs the ball a ton, honestly. I mean, you say that, but they only really have three guys that you want to get the ball to. You want to get the ball to Tyreek Hill. You want to get the ball to Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki. But that's well, really it. a good year last year. 
He's fine, but he's not like a game breaker. He was on the Cowboys, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was the, really the first relevant year of his career. Right. <laughs> what, what I find interesting, Joe, from the team. So obviously because you trade for Tyreek, uh, and I'm trying to think if there was a second trade where you surrendered a draft pick. Well, this is, yeah. This is a team that, you know, is going to have fewer rookie snaps probably than any other team in the league. Zero right. picks in the top 100 this year. Yeah, yeah. no picks in the top right. 100. The only two rookies before round seven were linebacker Channing Tindall and uh, and uh, uh, one of the receivers, Eric Uzakanma, who, yep. uh, you know, is is obviously not going to be a, a big factor because there's a lot of a lot of guys in front of him. Mm-hmm. So I, they're I not Trump a, just endorsed him for Senate, though. It's not, it's not. It's Eric with a K. actually. Wow. Yes. Um, it's not an old team, honestly. No, um, because because they have had very uh, rich, like at least, at least in terms of quantity drafts for uh, 2018 through 2021. And those guys are all starting in on the team that uh, especially on the defense. Almost every single guy on the defense is someone they've drafted in the last few years. But Correct. it is interesting that they're like, you know, they, they basically went to like uh, the old school. Like, all right, we're just going to trade for players and then sign massive free agent contracts. Like, it, a, a little bit of a stars and scrubs thing. But listen, the team that just won the Super Bowl is I don't want to say the Rams are totally scars and scrubs because they just had like 10 zillion good you know, front seven players. But mm-hmm. I think I think they're of the same school where we're just going to try and accumulate as many superstars as possible. Right. And in the Dolphins, because, you know, the Tyree kill trade, they used a first round pick, a second round pick and a fourth round pick all on wide receivers. So basically their whole, you know, draft capital this year was used on the wide receiving position because they know that's going to be an emphasis this year in some respect. Um, but again, getting back to this offensive line, this is going to be the key to the team, especially Taron Armstead. He's a great player, but he never plays the full season. He's always hurt. He's going to miss four to six games. So what do they do when he's out? Are, you know, Greg Little, uh, you know, Michael Dieter, you know, Trent Sheffield, Robert Hunt going to slide over to tackle. I mean, Austin Jackson. These are a lot of guys that Dolphins fans do not want to see in the lineup. And the Dolphins are going to have to play multiple guys. Um, and especially with the, the health status of Teron Armstead and his durability concerns, you know, this offensive line is going to be the question mark on this Miami Dolphins team. It, it is amazing, by the way. Um, you know, he's played in, for the Saints nine seasons. He did not play a full season once in nine. Correct. Years. Correct. He played 15. He played 14 a couple of times. 13, that was high. 10, 10, 10 games a couple of times. By the way, he was eight. a second team all pro one season in which he played 10 games, which just goes to show how much attention the uh, the all yeah. pro voters are. I believe yeah. he made three Pro Bowls, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah th- the, so his talent is unquestionable. Yeah. Sure. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy? And the bigger issue is when he's not healthy, who the heck are the Dolphins going to play tackle? Yeah, I don't like having a tackle named Austin Jackson because that's the name of like a speedy center fielder. Oh, let me tell you, he's terrible. Uh, yeah. They they switched him to guard. He was a first round pick from USC. Um, you know, I believe the same year as the two was drafted, and uh, you know he was supposed to be you know the the guy guarding his blind you know his you know the right side you know because he was a lefty, and um, it, you know he just has not panned out. Maybe in the zone blocking scheme he'll be better. But uh, yeah, he is one of the first round picks that the Dolphins have had recently that has just not worked out, even though he's still on the roster. Uh, if we could talk about the defense, I want you to start by answering this question. Blank is the best player on the Dolphins defense. Xavier Howard. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I thought you might say Christian Wilkins. He's fine. He's good. He had he, he, he actually struggled his first two years and he was much better last year. But Xavier Howard is an all pro capable cornerback. Uh, you know, he always leads the league or tort nears the top in, in uh, interceptions. He's very aggressive. 
he, he's just so good. I think he's underrated because he's never had team success. But Xavier Howard, I think, is just such a great player. So l- listeners to this podcast over the last couple of years know that I've, I was very high on the Dolphins. Um, and, and a big part of that was I really believed in Brian Flores and I really believed in his defense. Does his departure, does that give you any concerns for the defense, you know, taking a step back? Absolutely, because you have to look at who is the defensive coordinator. And the defensive coordinator is Josh Boyer, who has never called plays defensively. He's been the defensive coordinator the last two years. And he came with Flores from the Patriots. He was a cornerbacks coach with the Patriots. Before he was with the Patriots, he was actually a cornerback coach at the South Dakota School of Mimes and Technology. He's one of these guys that Bill Belichick just famously plucks from obscurity and says, you're going to work hard and you're going to move your way. He he was in the Patriots system forever, though. Yes, he was a defensive assistant for three years and he was a cornerbacks coach for almost a decade. So when he came over to the Dolphins, he was also a secondary coach. And then when Pat Graham, the defensive coordinator, left after Flores' first year, he installed Boyer as the defensive coordinator. But the question is just his his pedigree and his experience because he's never called plays. And he's trying to match what Brian Flores did last year. So those are, you know, big shoes to fill. And this Dolphins defense is very good. It should be a top 10 defense. The only really holes are, you know, at linebacker, especially inside linebacker against the run. So, you know, that's not the worst weakness in the world to have on a defense. They have plenty of, you know, pass rushers. They can, you know, they have Wilkins uh, and Raquan Davis up the middle. So this defense should be good. But the question is, because Josh Borey get the most out of this defense? Alex, I don't know if you've been doing uh, one of our favorite segments while I was away, which was uh, which is uh, the coach's confidence ranking. Have you been doing that every episode? Uh, not not every episode. Oh, my God. You haven't been doing it um, anyway. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I would like to know, Joe, you have a, a rookie coach and you're talking about calling plays on the defensive side. I believe Mike McDaniel has never called plays because he was with Kyle Shanahan, who was calling the plays the last five, six years. So uh, what what are your impressions? You know, he crushes it in press conferences. He's, he's he crushes it with the meme. Social media loves him. He's yeah. very. Yeah, he's very he's going to be very good with the Internet. And unless they start losing a lot. So, yeah. But what what have your impressions been of Mike McDaniel so far? Well, the media loves him, right? Because uh, he's quirky, he's different. You know, he likes to you know smoke weed and all that good stuff. Um, so the media loves him and they fall in love with him. Um, and you know, I think as a Dolphins fan, you're optimistic uh, because of the success he's had in San Francisco and the chance to have a, a different kind of offense, you know, using the zone blocking scheme that Miami's never had, you know, and this is a team that we've gone from, you know, Brian Flores, Adam Gase, Joe Philbin, if you want to go far enough back, Cam Cameron. I mean, the Dolphins have never, even though they've gone after offensive coaches, they've never had a great, in theory, offensive mind, like how we feel about Mike McDaniel. But at the same time, you know that this could kind of be a total disaster because he's so different are their players going to respect him? You know, when you have like these, you know, older veterans on defense and, you know, Mike was was very popular, wasn't he? He was and he wasn't. I think everybody in the team respected him, but he wasn't always the easiest to get along with. Okay. But you think McDaniels might McDaniel, excuse me. There's no S there. We'll have a, uh, we'll have a difficult time getting credibility from someone like the defensive veterans. He may, it's just, it's an unknown, right? You never know until you actually can see it. I, mm-hmm. I tend to believe that he might be successful and he might really get the locker room on the side, 
but you never know when you're five and six and Tyreek Hill is flipping out and, you know, the defense isn't playing as well because Josh Boyer doesn't know what he's doing. Like, how is how is the team going to react to that? Is he someone looks who, so young, you right? Know? Even yeah. though he's not, I mean, he's not even especially young anymore. I mean, he's older than McVeigh and, and you know, some other coaches, but he, he looks, a, he has a little bit of a baby look and, you know, he went to Yale, right? Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I listen, I listen, he was, I'm not nervous about that part of it. It's just the question is, can he call plays and can they win games? And that, that'll sort of, you know, decide things. But I don't know. Like winning is the best deodorant. If he wins, he should be fine. What is the. Um, so what's your number one to ten on your confidence level? And Mike McDaniel, um, I will go with a seven. Okay. okay. And, and how was- did you how did you feel about Flores before he got fired? Um. So the thing with Brian Flores is he's a great defensive mind, but when you're a head coach, you need to kind of have input on all aspects of the team, or at least be aware and make sure the offensive side of the ball is running efficiently. And if you look at what he's, what Brian Flores did on the offensive side of the ball with who he appointed as offensive coordinator, it was terrible. His first year was Chad O'Shea from the doll uh, from the Patriots. And then Flores fired him after one year saying, you know, the offense was too complicated. Then he went to Chan Gailey, who's in his you know late 60s for a year. And then he fired him or, you know, he left. And then last year they had two offensive coordinators, you know, co-offensive coordinators, Eric Studsville and George Gotze. And that was a total disaster because, you know, there was like no dependability. And nobody knew who was calling plays. And it just seemed like an unmitigated disaster. And, you know, they started one and seven. So, Flores made so many poor decisions with who he hired on offense as good as he is on defense. It's hard to win with a head coach who doesn't, who is unable to hire the right people on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Alex, you want to play the schedule game with Joe? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, you were talking about how important it is to, to jump out to a hot start, especially after starting one and seven last year. Mm-hmm. September is very difficult for the Dolphins this yeah, year. Yeah, week one is an unbelievably big game. Just yes. huge. Yeah, it's yes. probably their easiest game in the month of September. So yeah, so they start at home against the Patriots. You have to win that game. So I'm gonna go win. All right, and then uh, week two at Baltimore. Despite the fact that they beat them last year on Thursday night, confusing. Wasn't Lamar that the seventh so in a row? Severely. Uh, that was the second. That was the second game they won on the win streak, I believe. Oh, okay. I just remember the running joke in the patron chat because I had said something like the Dolphins would f- finish ahead of the Patriots. Yes. And then when they were one and seven, I'm like, hey, it's still mathematically possible that they kept winning. And <laughs> and if you look at that stretch of teams they beat, it was so Pretty terrible. Crappy. Yeah. And you don't even realize how many backup quarterbacks they face. They faced Joe Flacco. They mm. faced Ian Book. They faced Ooh. Cam Newton, who can barely yeah. throw. <laughs> they faced Mike Lennon. It was just, it wasn't just terrible teams. It was the backup quarterbacks on those terrible teams. So it was really just a great stretch um, where they were able to rack up wins. So um, probably facing Lamar Jackson here in week two. I'm going to go with a loss there. All right. And then home against Buffalo. Big game. This is a loss because if you look at the last two years, how they fared against Buffalo, it has been horrendous. So until you can prove to me that you can at least play them close, I cannot give you a win. All right. And then one and two short rest at Cincy on a Thursday night. Terrible spot. Got to give the win to Cincinnati. All right. So one and three. And then you get to face the Jets. Yes. And then. These next seven games are really where the Dolphins have to rack up the victories uh, when we go through them. So the New York Jets, I, I think the Jets will be better, but I think given the extra couple of days after the Cincinnati loss, 
I like the Jets to uh, I like the Dolphins to beat the Jets. All right, two and three, and then you're home to face the Vikings on October 16th. That's a must win. You got to win it. They will win it. All right, so they get back to 500, and then they face the Steelers the next week. Can they get over 500? Sunday night football game in Miami, rare. Usually do not get the Sunday night NBC, Mike Tirico and Chris Collins with treatment. So I'm going to go with the win there. Oh, wow. So from one and three to four and three, yes. and that, that October, November schedule keeps chugging along. They face the Lions in week eight. I will be in attendance at this game. So this is definitely a loss. Mm, okay. <laughs> so four and four, and then you're staying up in the upper Midwest facing the, uh, the Bears the next week in Chicago. The Bears are, I think, going to be terrible, so I'll give the Dolphins the win here. All right, so five and four, and then you come home in week 10, right before the bye, you get to face Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. And I believe Cleveland is off a bye coming into this game, so they will have a you know a week of a week advantage. I think Deshaun Watson, this will be, you know, depending on how the suspension goes, this will probably be his third game back. So I will give this game to Cleveland. All right, so you're five and five, then you have the bye. You mentioned a few minutes ago, you said, what happens when you're five and six and Tyreek Hill's going off? Well, five and six means after the bye, you lose at home to Houston. Is that going to happen? This is a must win. They will win. They will beat Houston. All right. So six and five entering December. And, um, you know, as we said, the, the, the schedule starts difficult and ends difficult. Uh, you uh, have the soft spot in the middle. Yep. Now you want a three game road trip against three serious contenders. It yes. starts with San Francisco. Yes. Mike McDaniel um, coming home. I will go with a loss there. Too much, too much legal weed for him there. All right, so six and six, and then you go down uh, the, I don't know, the PCL or the PCH, whatever it is, uh, to, uh, to so far. The because... only good thing about the, about their, you know, four late road games is that, uh, you know, the, the, at least two of them are in California. Like, you don't have two yeah. playing in the snow. And they're back to back. I mean, you might so in Buffalo, but. Yeah, but they have to face that deafening Chargers home crowd. That's true. Yes. Yeah. But they will stay on the West Coast after San Francisco. So I like the week. They're by themselves. They know they got to win. I like them to beat the Chargers. Wow. Big win over the Chargers, seven and six. And then you got to go as long a flight as you can have all the way to Buffalo. This is a loss. All right. So seven and seven. Yep. Come home for the first time since, you know, Thanksgiving weekend. It's Christmas Day against the Packers. That is a win. Oh, wow. Big win against the Packers. So that's a. Uh, so you're going to beat the uh, the Packers and the Vikings and the Bears. Uh, the only loss in the division is to, to Detroit because Joe's going to be uh, at that game. Yes. Yeah. And, and Dan, uh, and don't forget Dan Campbell revenge game. Yes. <laughs> All right. So um, so what are we? So we're seven and oh, that's a win. So we're eight and seven. Yep. And then you go at New England, who you beat in week one. This is a loss. All right. So eight and eight. And yep. then you're facing the Jets at home. Uh, is there even any uh, chance at the playoffs? Well, this is the thing. If the Dolphins have a chance at the playoffs, this is definitely a loss. Oh, okay. I mean, there's so many games the Dolphins have blown late in the year when they had a chance to make the playoffs. Rex Ryan in his final year with the Jets beat them at home when they could have made the playoffs. So I think at A and eight, they'll be out of it with how good the AFC is. So I'll give them the win here to go only nine because and eight. they're out of it. Okay. Right. But if they're in it and they're nine and in their um, nine and seven going to this game, I can almost guarantee you they'll lose somehow. Hmm. All right, also, so no tank incentive under for the first and time. Half. And so yes. you're, you seem to think that's pretty good. Eight and a half. Cause you have them uh, yes. just yeah, yes. winning uh, eight or nine. I think games. that's a very, very good number. Um, like I said, and like you said, you know, the beginning, the first four weeks are very difficult. There's a seven game easy stretch. And then there's a six game brutal stretch towards the end. Um, so I think with the talent this team has, they they will probably be a better team than they were last year 
if everything goes right. But they will not win. They will be lucky to win as many games as they did last year. All right. So so now we're in a sort of a sticky wicket here because you, you win eight or nine games. You miss the playoffs. And now right. you have to decide what are we doing with Tua? Correct. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Teddy, Teddy's money is going to become available. There's going to be a lot of prospects available in the draft. So maybe one of these teams that we're not suspecting to be bad, that has a veteran quarterback, say they get hurt. Maybe someone like that becomes available, you know, maybe like, I don't want to put this into the atmosphere, but like a Kirk cousins or something. So, you know, there's different, it's going to be a critical point this off season. If like you said, they go nine and eight, we feel decent about them to a, is okay then the questions are going to start and it's it's going to be tough to decide it's just you don't really want to invest a lot of money in a quarterback that can only be okay yeah but that but then the alternative i mean do you want to be the colts and just chasing your let's get one year out of rivers and let's try Wentz and let's roll the dice with matt ryan for one year 37 years old you know that that's not a long-term solution either step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.